Welcome to the Stop Dieting Podcast, hosted by best-selling, award-winning author and renowned weight loss expert, David Medansky. If you struggle to lose weight or you've lost weight and gained it back, you'll want to listen each week. Each week, you will learn tips for healthy weight loss without going on a diet, without having to follow an exercise program, without counting calories, or having to purchase special meals or products. The Stop Dieting Podcast is more than just about healthy and sustainable weight loss. You will also learn how you can have more energy, feel better, get rid of brain fog, and improve your overall health. Stay tuned for another informative and insightful episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends. Hi, welcome to another episode of Stop Dieting. We have a special guest today. It's Eugene Roshu, and he's here to tell us what his experiences are as being a chaplain in a hospital. So welcome, Eugene. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and your background and about your new book? Good morning, David, and uh, good morning to everyone listening to this podcast. I'm uh, Eugene Roshu. I am um, an Orthodox priest for over 30 years. I have several years of experience as a hospital chaplain, and for three and a half years, I was university chaplain, working with students and staff and faculty. And in the hospital, I had experience with patients from all walk of lives, with all sorts of illnesses, with a variety of patients from United States and outside of the United States. And it gave me a great insight of what life is. And I listened to the patient's stories. And at the same time, I told stories to the patient. So putting the things together, I came up with, with an anthology, a book that I just published. It's called Every Life Tells a Story, an anthology. And here's a picture of the book. It's an interesting story because everybody brings their own insight about childhood, about parenting without uh, manual. Uh, stories about trying to deal with children who are attached to certain things and finding a solution. Being challenged by someone dear who's facing medical issues. And mentors, we all like to have a mentor, we like to have somebody to turn around and ask for an advice. What am I doing here? How can I move from this point forward and so forth? So these stories are a blend of all sorts of interaction of life. All stories are from heart. You know, I hope the, the stories will meet the reader's heart and create a vibe between the, the writer and the reader to connect and have a, a good interaction, even if they don't see each other, but a good interaction through the story. Well, that's great. As a chaplain at the hospitals, could you share some of the reasons people were admitted to the hospitals and some of the experiences you had with those patients? Well, experiences came from the emergency room where you could have anything from playing in the backyard and scratching the arms or the knees or twisting an ankle <laughs> to car accidents that were as ugly as you can imagine. Also, difficulties with abstaining from uh, certain foods or certain drinks, addiction, and so forth, all sorts of situations. But each one of them had its own individual aspect because it happened with only one person. Each one, we had to treat it separately. Sometimes as chaplains, I was welcome in the room. 
And sometimes I was told, no, thank you, I'm okay. But in either situation, we said a prayer for the patient. With 70% of people being hospitalized for food-related issues in the hospital before COVID, did you have to deal with some of those patients because of their poor eating habits? Yes, yes. I had patients that were very young and being in a hospital with all sorts of complications because of the poor choices of foods. They told me, I don't understand why I have to drink all these juices or have this apple sauce every day or whatever they had to, to do because the food related were not related only to weight, excessive weight, but food related complications for many of them with diabetes. Other complications they had were strength, being able to stand, not enough strength in their legs, or all sorts of situations with their joints and so forth and so on. The medical issue was maybe not as important to me because I didn't want to step in the field that I was not familiar, I was not trained to handle it, and the medical team did a great job on treating them. My role was to help them see their relationship with God and building that or creating a bridge, finding a way that their mission in life is not to eat bad foods or to eat a lot of food. Eating is to sustain life, is not to enjoy without any limitation, without boundaries. So I, I try to focus the patient attention on the importance of life, not the importance of eating. Every patient that I talked to, they had big goals in life big dreams, what to do. One young man told me that he wants to work as a missionary. He was a teenager with a team as a missionary. But after that, he didn't control his eating habits and being overweight. Nobody could take him overseas outside of the United States because of his health issues. And they didn't want to get into any kind of situation with him there. And I said, well, if you want to go again, if this is what you think God ordained you to do, then you need to control your habits of eating. You are here not because you missed one mission. You're in hospital because you missed eating healthy. Well, that's interesting. You bring up that a lot of the patients you met in there were there because of uh, diabetes, because if you're over age 50, 80% of the population over age 50 have an 80% probability of being a type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic. And as a pre-diabetic, what that means for the audience is if you do not change your eating habits, you'll be a full-blown type 2 diabetic within seven years. And you brought up an interesting point about food being for sustaining life. When I talk to my clients, I usually discuss that food should be looked at as fuel for the body. So I agree with you that food is not necessarily for socializing or for comfort, or to relieve stress. And that's what most of us are doing today. Regarding some of the issues with people who are in the hospital, were they willing to change their lifestyle and eating habits to get healthier, or were they more resistant to it? With many of them, I noticed they didn't see the eating habits as an issue. Because in a defense mechanism, they would come with, with the explanation, but I enjoy it, I love it, I like it. They will have a justification for every single, let's say, wrongdoing in, in the food-related business. So it wasn't the food that caused the problem. It was their approach to food 
that cause the problem for their health. And I think this is something that is not necessarily with the food, it's how we approach everything in our life, from relationships to habits of all sorts. It builds the same problem. It leads to the same narrow path that we are stuck at at one at some point. We don't have a chance to move around or to see what was wrong, how we got there, how we got stuck in there. And for them, because they cannot figure out what it is, why not have another whatever they like and enjoy, you know? Because I cannot figure out, I cannot lose any weight. I'm going to have another one just so I can feel good about it. And it's a matter of working with someone. I don't think anyone can abandon this path of eating on his own or her own. There has to be someone to keep you accountable, to make you do the steps necessary day by day, not just one day and then we'll meet some other time. You know, we'll see you in one month. It has to be a day-by-day accountability. And some of them probably need this to be very strong and some of them, you know, don't really need that severe. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because I went through my own weight loss journey in 2016. I was fortunate. I was able to shed 50 pounds and 25% of my total body weight. And I've kept it off where most people who go on a diet regain the weight they lost within a year, some gain even more. So usually I tell people, it's not that you want to go on a diet to lose weight. You want to change your diet. And when we talk about diet, I like to refer to mother nature, and I'm sure you will refer to God for providing the food for us. And one of the things I advocate to people is to eat more holistic and whole foods provided by nature, as opposed to highly processed and manufactured foods, which are made in a laboratory by someone in a white lab coat. How do you feel about some of these highly processed and manufactured foods as opposed to foods provided by Mother Nature? I am not an expert in either chemistry or or food industry. I cannot say much about it, but I would like to talk about what God provides for us, what Mother Nature is offering us every day. We all can have a piece of land somewhere that we can grow some fresh crops where we can have some pots or some small garden everywhere around. Even in an apartment building, you can still grow a few plants, spices, if you wish, to have some fresh spices in there rather than dried, treated, parsley or any any other spices that we normally use. I think as a global society, we moved from providing our own food to depending on what is on the shelf in the store. And yeah, we can go around and check the content and and see how much is original, how much is not original, and so forth and so on. But again, we now see every store, every store has organic labels. And you see a carrot that is about 12 inches long and one inch wide, thick carrot. I doubt. I grew up on a little farm in Romania and I've never seen, I've never seen everybody in that little village had a little garden with vegetables. I've never seen an organic carrot (laughs) that is so big. Those grow with, with some kind of fertilization, some kind of intervention that is not natural. That's interesting because I was 
doing some research and I noticed they were showing pictures of what a chicken looked like back in the 1940s, the 1960s, the 1990s, and today. And the chickens back in the 1940s and 50s are about a third of the size of what the chickens are today. So obviously it's not natural what they're doing to the food. And that's another thing I tell people, it's not so much the food they're eating, it's what they've done to the food that we're eating. Where can everybody purchase your book? Uh, my book is available on Amazon, and the title is Every Life Tells a Story, colon, an anthology. It's important to have an anthology. I have the title again, closer, and also, if my name is typed in the search box of Amazon, the books will pop up. And how do you spell your name so the audience understands the spelling correctly? It is E-U-G-E-N with a middle initial V, and the last name is R-O-S-U. Oh, thank you so much, Eugene, for being a guest today. I really appreciate your insight and, and some of the insight you've been able to provide to the audience about people who've been in the hospital because of poor eating choices and what they can do to improve those eating choices. So thank you so much, and God bless. God bless you, and thank you for, for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Stop Dieting Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe so you won't miss a single episode to get more healthy eating and lifestyle tips. Motivate and inspire others to be healthy by sharing with your friends. 